Hey everyone, this is Nadme Mudis. Thank you so much for listening to Football is Life. On this episode, my mic wasn't working very well. I've done my best to try to make the audio uh, sound as best as possible. Uh, there are some times where the volume is kind of loud, so uh, I sincerely apologize for that, but the episode is really interesting and we hope you will enjoy uh, we hopefully won't have these kind of problems in the future uh, when we are back in the studio. But uh, until then, football's life. Enjoy the episode. Football is life. Hello, everybody, and today I'm with Nat. Yo! And Ethan. What's going on, guys? And my name is Matt, and today we've got some international soccer to talk about and some MLS soccer to talk about. And there is so, really, so much happened this week. Um, there's a so, lot did happen. Yeah, f- football, football truly is life, because. Like, so much to think about. Um, I I think we start with the uh, with the with the the uh, coaching announcement that happened with with NYCFC. Uh, Ethan, oh. <laughs> uh, Ethan, uh, want to go over that? Yeah, sure. So um, there have been rumors for a hot second now. Um, that Ronnie Dyla, NYCFC's now former coach, um, was being pursued by some teams in Europe. Um, one of these teams who ended up signing him a couple of days ago was Standard Liège in Belgium. Uh, and yeah, Ronnie Dyla left. He's no longer the coach for NYCFC. Um, uh, yes, uh, and my feelings are hurt, but, you know, we, uh, life... Life goes on, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, it's like, yeah, this is the second time that this has happened to NYCFC that a coach leaves midseason to go to Europe. It happened with Patrick Vieira as well. Um, and it's not great. It's not fun. You never want your coach to leave midseason. Um, I will say I was a little more I was a little more angry at Vieira when he did it. I think because we hadn't really achieved um, a level of success like we did with Dyla. Um, but I think because of the success that we achieved, I'm a little more hurt by Dyla leaving. Because um, I thought I don't know. I guess I just thought that he was that he would stay for longer um, than he ended up staying. Um, I watched a bit of a press conference with uh, David Lee, who's the club's sporting director, I'm pretty sure. Um, he said that Standard Liège, um, they um, they triggered a clause in Dyla's contract that sort of left the choice uh, of whether or not he wanted to stay purely up to Dyla, and he, cho- he chose to go. So, you know, and he took, he took his assistant coach with him, Efrain uh, Juarez, um, which might provide some difficulties because I heard that he was the main sort of Spanish speaker to the players. Um, so 
losing him is uh, kind of stinks, but I still think um, we're still a tight knit group. Um, and Nick Cushing has been with the team, I think, since uh, Dyla has uh, started with the team. So now we've got Nick Cushing as our interim coach. Um, and I, th- I think I think we're all going to get behind him pretty soon. Um, I don't really see us signing another coach during the season. I think he'll probably just finish out the season. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, he was at Man City for many years. Um, he took the women's Man City team to great heights. Um, and so I think especially because we have the same group of players um, and there's still no word on what's going to happen to Castellanos this season um, because it seems like NYCFC have not received a bid that they believe to be worthy enough of Castellanos yet. So we don't know if we'll have him or not for the rest of the season. Um, But I think Nick Cushing with this same group of players can still do a, a, a solid job and, I think we might hit a roadblock or two, but otherwise I think I think we'll be okay. And I hope we'll be okay. So he uh so the new coach is now the fifth coach in NYC in NYFC's uh short career. Is that correct or is he their sixth? Their sixth. Could they had they had Jason Kreis, and then they had was it Vieira immediately yeah, after him? It was it was Vieira after Kreis, and then it was Dome Torrent after Vieira, and then it was um, Dyla, and now that's Nick Cushing. So he's the fifth coach. Um, where do you where would you say? How do you think he compares to like just in general MLS coaches? Like, where do you think he ranks? Cushing uh, or Dyla? No, uh, Dyla. Dyla. Um, now that his tenure is over. Um, I'd say he's pretty high up there. I, I've seen stats. Um, I couldn't quote them or, yeah. or anything. or, But I, I know that, you know, things like his point per game ratio and, you know, all that stuff like that is that he was – pretty high up there with other MLS managers, like top five, top three, stuff like that in terms of those kinds of stats. Um, and I mean, what can we say? He won an MLS cup within like, you know, three years. Um, that's pretty great. Um, yeah. So I'd say he's pretty good. He's definitely, I'd say he's the best NYCFC manager so far. Well, where uh, what do you think, Matt? Where do you think uh, he ranks among best MOS coaches ever? Oh, that's Wait, a ever? tall order for oh, that's what, yeah, of, of all time. You were saying, yeah, I, w- I was thinking compared to oh. the rest of the league. I thought you meant like now. I didn't think you meant no. like of all time, like since like nineteen ninety four or nineteen ninety six. Well, with the form, 1996. with the form NYCFC is on. And the way they play the game, I think when he left, he was a top five MLS coach at the time. Ever, I don't even know how to tackle that question. Like, there's just been so much coaching and so much success and so much, a lot more failure in the MLS (laughs) 
than success um mm -hmm. truth be told so i don't know he's probably top 25 all time but he's played i don't know that's a, such an arbitrary number yeah because he's he's played such a small amount i'm just picking a number yeah that reflects the success and honestly m most of my praise for him comes from how the team plays it's so creative in the attack um uh, and the players are so, every single one of them is so dangerous going forward. Um, it's less the trophies and the win percentage than the the style of play, which I think is something that the MLS doesn't have a lot of, that like Spanish-Brazilian style of like attack, attack, attack. It's very skilled individuals that that have the ability to build that chemistry. I think he's a great coach. What? What? Do, do you remember what was the result that he was initially hired for, Ethan? Like, uh, was he hired at the beginning of a season? Uh, yeah, he Ethan? was. He had like, he had like, you know, a full preseason and all that stuff, um, or mostly a full preseason. Um, yeah, he wasn't a mid-season hire or anything. Yeah, yeah, because honestly, I can't remember if, uh, like, what like how how much of a transition he really did did from how they used to play because like obviously he had more success with nycfc but i also don't but i i don't know if i would really say that they're if i really noticed their style changing so drastically before when he first came in I think it's less of a style change and more mm -hmm. of a mastery of the style that they had always played. Yeah. I think it had always been that pretty like Brazilian style, but that like heavy attack focused game can lead you open to getting scored on. So playing that, like, I guess it's like an organized chaos um, style. It takes, takes a lot of discipline from your defensive players. And I think organizing a team into to play like that and to get the results that they did is, is impressive. Yeah, I agree. And he did something that um, pretty much every NYCFC coach in the past um, didn't do, which was he really got our defense in order. Um, and he really sorted things out there where that was usually a, a huge problem for us, especially in the Vieira era. Um, that was a big um, question mark and sort of an issue. It's like, yeah, we have the attack and, you know, David V is there and he's playing great. But it was like, as soon as we would be attacked on, uh, you know, we would score. Of course, obviously for some of that, we had Josh Saunders in goal, which is, you know, that's like, mm -hmm. that's rough enough, but. Um, I don't yeah, know what I, you're, I don't know what you're talking about. I can't think of any games that uh, Vieira was <laughs> in charge of where NYCFC let in um, an insane in number oh, of goals. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, I yeah. like, there's nothing that comes yeah. to mind. Right. No, because there isn't one. And that's, and, but his, yeah, but Dialer really got the defense in order. Um, yeah. That's going to be true. Their defense this year, and this year especially, uh, their defense has been very much top tier um as yeah uh yeah as um 
their goal as yeah we talked about it before their goals um against um is yeah. tied uh is tied for the lowest in the league with philadelphia and i mean tati really tati really blossomed under dyla and i i think dyla's dyla definitely had a lot of influence on the player who tati has become so that's that's special of course as well okay should we um uh, let, let's move on to talking about uh, the two MLS matches that did happen during this international break. Uh, we had Seattle versus Vancouver and then Nashville versus San Jose. Um, was it, let's start with Nashville. Um, zero, zero game, but like this was a very entertaining game. Uh, Matt, you were at the game. Uh, what was it like? It was a lot of fun. Um, it sucks to not get the result against a team like San Jose, which obviously we should be getting the result against. Um, the goal that gets called back is the right call. I'm not going to sit here and complain about it. What I will complain about is not scoring goals on, on open goals, all but a center back rushing back to fill it because we've beaten the goalkeeper twice. Um, I think Hani looked great in this game. I think Hani played one of his best games. Uh, he was dangerous every time he touched the ball. He was embarrassing the defenders left and right. Um, we just couldn't put it in the back of the net because really what he was in this game was more of a chance creator than the finisher. Um, I think if he could have passed the ball to himself this game, we could have scored two or three. Um, but, yeah, it was a lot of fun. The defense was solid. I don't really think San Jose had a real chance. I think they may have gotten one off the counter. Um, I, I think they didn't. I think they had chances. They just didn't. Um, just uh, their most of their chances were just not. Uh, were just not on goal. Uh, yeah, they had. Well, a, they pulling, had a lot of yeah. Pulling the trigger because you can't get in behind the back four. I mean, you know, that shot will sometimes go in, but that's not a great chance. From watching, I think they did it a couple yeah. times. Yeah, from watching the highlights of this game, there were a lot of chances. Where, uh, and honestly, for both teams, where, um, uh, where someone shot, um, someone's like, uh, adequate shot goes just wide of the post. Um, mm. uh, that happened a lot. Um, so I'm actually kind of surprised that there were, there were six shots on goal for both teams, according to the stats, because it feels like the, the, I mean, like the shots for Nashville was 14 and the shots for San Jose was 11, but honestly, it feels to me like there were more, like the difference between shots and shots on goal seemed more drastic in this game than that. San Jose was pulling the trigger very early. Like they were shooting from from well beyond the 18. Um, I th- I wonder if all their shots even made the highlight reel. <laughs> I think it, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna sit here and say that they had no chances and they created like zero XG. I haven't looked at that yet. But from being at the game and watching, it felt very Nashville dominant, as dominant as zero zero game can seem. Well, like most Nashville games. Nashville did trail in possession 45 to 55. However, um, uh, however, they did beat San Jose 
47 to 37 in duels one and also tackles one uh, 16 to five. So I think those two stats do back up that they were dominating in this game. Um, my favorite stat or my favorite uh, note from this game is that this was without Andy Walgadoy or Walker Zimmerman who were on uh, international duty. And those are two key defensive pieces. Um. And so, like, not conceding a goal there, um, I think, speaks to the coaching of Gary Smith uh, mm -hmm. less than the talent of the back line itself. Uh, and honestly, both of these teams could have scored some really, really nice goals. Um, Nashville had a chance right at the end of the game. Um, the yeah, that would have been a very nice goal to, to cap the night. Um, and I think there were some some other chances uh, of, yeah, again, with San Jose shooting a little too early, maybe before they didn't have full control, but still um, like uh, top of the box or uh, right around there um, goals, which still would have been nice goals. So like still lots of chances um, sucks that none of them were finished. Yeah, a Nashville draw at home isn't the most shocking result in the entire league, no matter who it's against. Uh, okay, uh, uh, Sounders were playing. Sounders faced off against Vancouver this week. Um, pretty a pretty easy game in the end. Um, definitely, uh, I would definitely say the Nashville San Jose game was more entertaining. Um, but, uh, obviously it's always going to be fun when, uh, your team, uh, wins, uh, Sounders getting it done four zero against the Whitecaps. Uh, the Whitecaps have not beaten the Sounders in the last something like 10 meetings since 2017, um, which is insane. Um, in, in that time. People like Freddie Montero has played for – he played for Vancouver, then left, played two seasons in Portugal, then came back to Vancouver, then left Vancouver, and then came back and came back to Seattle and scored against Vancouver. Um, so it's been a while since they've – since uh, uh, Vancouver has gotten a result um, against uh, the Sounders. Um uh, in this game, uh, Ryan Roy Diaz tied Freddie Montero um, for the Sounders all-time scoring uh, record. Now he is tied uh, at 69 goals. Um, we saw Ladero convert a penalty. Um, pretty easy call. Uh, thought that was a penalty. Um, and then Alex Rodon scored at the end. Um, yeah, uh, not really anything from Vancouver. What what were you guys' thoughts on uh, on this match? Yeah, I mean, total domination from Seattle. Something we see from them often at home, um, and also often against lesser opponents like Vancouver. Um, this is what you expect from Seattle, especially at home. Um, Rui Diaz playing well as he usually does, although. Did you say he he got injured? 
right? And he'll be out for a couple weeks now. Yes, he. Uh, I I'm I think um, so. He had the chance to maybe score a hat trick um, in this game. Um, he which he has not done for the team yet. So I was rooting for that. And when they initially took him off, I was like, "Why are we taking him off?" Um, I would like I want him to get the hat trick. But I think it was on a play where he rounded the keeper and then um, a defender managed to get back in the line. So, yeah, yeah it's a hamstring, hamstring injury. Um, he should be out for two to three games now. Why does – I know this just might be a hard question to ask or to answer, but why does uh, Rui Diaz keep getting injured? Uh well, um, what do you mean keep getting injured? He's I mean, always injured, man. He, I don't I feel like <laughs> not compared yeah. to a lot of players. Uh, um, I feel Maybe like not. he's actually been he's been very consistent. Um, I, I feel like he's one player who, I mean, knock on wood, I feel like he, mm. um, he's not injured that much. He's usually all all always around. Um, unless he's with the national team. Um, or if he is out, then he's out for just short periods. Like, luckily at this point, he hasn't had like a... So while he's been with us, he hasn't had a long-term injury. Um, hopefully, it's only two games. Um, yeah. I mean, this Hamstring's is... tough. Uh, we still have three. The three games are all at home, so it's not like he's going. He can still be with the team here. Um, but yeah, hopefully it's not as it, it it continues to not be as as bad. Yeah. Uh, as I think it is. Um. Again, the Sounders have so much depth right now. Um. I. I. It's not that much concern even with Jao Paolo still being out right. um uh, but uh, uh i mean i i, I would uh it would be interesting to see um how the sounders line up in the next games if we if will bruin does start or if we uh or if it's more montero and morris pushed up higher um uh that's another thing that was that just showed showed the depth of this game because um, we had uh, Rusnak was Rusnak is with the national team. Um, uh, right. Mor- Morris and Rodon are with the national team. Um, uh, Yamar was out for this game. So we saw Jackson Reagan come in again. Um, who I recently learned, who I recently learned that I believe I played against in high school and I didn't even know that. <laughs> um <laughs> So really? it's weird that he's starting. Yeah, I'm pretty. Yeah, he went to the high school in our league, in, in my league. Um, oh, nice. Is uh, he? Our- uh, I think he's. I think he's older than us because he just graduated. He he graduated college from University of Michigan. Oh. Okay. Um, but uh, uh, he had a really really solid game at center back, like he always does. Um. Uh, so, uh, obviously, I'm very happy that for this game with uh, Roy Diaz out, that we'll have uh, that we should have everyone back. Um, Yamar is the only one I'm a little questionable about. Um, 
but we should have, but Rusnak should be back um, from being out with uh, Slovakia um, and um, uh, Morris, Morris and Rodon will be back from the national team. Um, so we should be pretty much full strength or, or, or have a, a good team for our next game at home um, against LAFC. Uh, to, uh, now with this result, the Sounders are back above the playoff line. Uh, 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 Matt, you, we're, uh, we're coming for you. You're in the sixth position. How are you feeling now? Getting a little shaky? I'm just looking at the points per game. Um, and my fear isn't immense. I'll say that. Also, RSL, by the way, have like a negative point differential. Like, I don't, they have no business in third. I don't know if anyone's noticed that, but the point differential pretty much like tracks all the way up the table. It's like a great indicator <laughs> of like, of like how a team is performing. Well, and also, they've, they have let in more goals than they have scored. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that yeah. is how you have the negative. I mean, it's, so, yeah, it's only one. It's only one goal, but but still, I see what you're saying. Well, the the teams surrounding them are LAFC at plus thirteen, Dallas at plus eleven, Austin at plus ten, and then they have negative one. I I see their success as I won't I don't, I don't want to say a fluke, but this their active points per game of one point six seven is absurd, and it will not continue. With, and with the I, next, they're not going to finish yeah. third. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I I don't think they'll they'll finish that. They're going to finish that high at the end. Um, it is interesting that like the next worst uh, goal differential is Colorado in tenth, who is also at negative one. Well, and they're tied. <laughs> yeah. So really, to get worse than them, you have to go to eleventh at negative twelve. With Vancouver. Vancouver, yeah, who y'all just contributed to that bad goal differential. Yeah, and Vancouver is a, uh, and Vancouver is only two goals better than Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, way at the bottom, and anyway, just have to bring up anytime, anytime we can make Kansas City look bad. Bad. I I will do that since no one likes them. Um. Uh. What? What do you guys think of Vancouver? Like, obviously, like they didn't really have much from this game. Do you th- um. It. We didn't talk about them last week as like, um, as not meeting expectations. Um, do you expect them in, to make the playoffs or, or anything to happen with them? Um, I feel like they're a, a team that's usually overlooked um, by MOS or, uh, yeah, what, especially when we think of like the Canadian teams, like Montreal and Toronto are talked about a lot, but Vancouver is not. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Vancouver, guys? Uh, no, nothing specific. I don't think they've like exceedingly defied expectations. Um, 
like they've been they've been bad this year and honestly they'll probably finish worse than 11th um but i i don't think that's gonna come as like the biggest shock in the world to anybody um so nothing big they're just they're just not uh competitive with the best teams in the west maybe they'd be fighting for a playoff spot in the east but honestly maybe not yeah, if you're not if you're not able All to compete with the with the East, <laughs> if you're not able to compete uh, for a playoff spot in the East, then I think that just shows how bad you are. Because <laughs> I, I yeah. think we make too much fun of the East. I, I think there's a couple bad teams in the East that really give them a bad name. Yeah, until the yeah. I mean, until the East overcomes the Western Conference, then we're gonna make jokes about them. How do you overcome a conference, though? Because you could start say that because, playing better because NYCFC are the reigning champions. Then technically, the, so is the Eastern Conference. I think it'll happen. Yeah, but the, but, 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 but the way that they got, but the way that they they got to the final is by playing Eastern Conference teams more. So when I, when, when when every Eastern Conference team beats the Western Conference in like interleague play, you, then we'll be better. But <laughs> how, that's how they're when, judged. When Nashville, the when MLS Super Club Powerhouse Nashville switches to the Eastern Conference next year, <laughs> that will be the defining moment. The, yeah, the, the power structure yeah. will swing. The the East will be the new hegemony. Except you're not ready for St. Louis to run to just absolutely obliterate everyone in front of them. And then take first place in the West. I have my doubts, but it's possible. I think maybe an extra time topic we should we should cover if if there are too many teams in the MLS. I feel like it's just a new team every other season, and I just it's like hey, there are still there are still less MLS teams than uh, than any other um, major sport. Is that true? Uh, <laughs> what does the NBA have? Is it 15? That's uh, 15 a conference? Uh, well, there's 30 total. Okay, uh, so yeah. So so after next year, there will be there will be 29 um, when St. Louis joins. Um, but <laughs> also the NBA might might be expanding to 32 someday soon. Oh. Um, speaking about the future. Um, the other big news that came out this week um, is a huge new deal that MOS has uh, agreed to uh, with Apple. Um, starting in 2023, uh, Apple TV Plus will be the home for all MOS matches. Um, there will be no blockouts. You can also watch MOS Next and MOS Next Pro um, on Apple TV. It's going to run for 10 years. Um, and um, oh, oh, with that, you should also be able to pick um, which commentators you want to listen to. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on, on this announcement? Uh, I'm excited because of the no blackout thing. I think having a centralized location for MLS games where you know you're going to be able to turn on any game is great. And it's better than the current system 
where sometimes like the local TV won't even have the Nashville games for some reason. Like it's so convoluted at the moment. So I love the idea of just a centralized place with no blackouts every MLS game. It's just easier uh, at the very least. Yeah, it seems that, and it seems like the, it's, so you do have to have Apple TV plus for, for this. Um, and then I believe it's also going to be like $5, um, which is what ESPN, which is what ESPN plus started at, which is what it used to be. Um, I do think it is very, very, very nice that you will be able to choose which commentators you want. Um, because there is nothing more infuriating than having to listen to the other team's commentators because there are some teams that have some really, really bad commentators. Um, San Jose, San Jose and RSL, um, and then also Philadelphia. Those teams have some of the most annoying commentators um, who know nothing about soccer. Um, uh, and honestly, I usually just turn, I would usually just turn off the sound um, if, if that is who ESPN Plus picked. Uh, so the fact that there are like R2 feeds um, and like uh, the MLB does that. The MLB lets you pick if you have uh, MLB TV. Um, so I, I really like that. I think that's gr um, great. Um, there's a rumor that's happening uh, that uh, was that came out on Twitter that in the future all MOS matches um, would be played um, on Saturdays. Um, so then, uh, uh, and then at that time um, with this new deal, they would also have a whip around show. Um, where they showed like all the all the goals. Uh, what do you guys think of that uh, of that idea um, in in general? Because it does feel like the NFL does. One thing that's great about the NFL is everyone knows like what time it's always going to be on. I like the idea of consolidating the schedule, but I do hope that they add like primetime games like the NFL has maybe not as many, like there doesn't need to be a Monday night and yeah. a Thursday night. I think they would, I think they would still Sunday have night. that. I think they would still have primetime games. They would just be at the same time, just like, wow, the other games are happening at seven. It would be on Fox or ESPN at the same time. It, it was what the rumor is. Um, mm -hmm. I would hope that there would be some games that would happen either after the time or before. So you could watch more than one game live in a weekend. Yeah, I agree. The weekend is long. And also, I like day games. Like, maybe Saturday nights, um, they're thinking, like, is a time that, like, other leagues haven't, like, already, like, grabbed because, like um, – at different times of the year, you have like Sunday night baseball, Sunday night football. Um, you got NFL during the day on Sunday. Um, so maybe that's why they're thinking like, oh, let's pick a time that isn't really owned 
Um, of course, Saturday college football is definitely a thing. Um, uh, but um, uh, uh, but yeah, I like day games. I like going to games in in the sun. So and especially like it seems like for families, especially like that seems especially bad if they're gonna make all the games be at night. Do you have any thoughts about this, Ethan? Yeah, it's nice to have the games all in one place. Um, I definitely think that there should be uh, games during the day. Um, I know those games... Look, I I love playing when it's dark outside and you're under the lights. That's always cool. I love watching those games and attending those games. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it's just a little late and you, it's just like, you get home a little late and it's like, okay. And day games are nice. It's nice being a day game. The sun is out, you know, wind is blowing. You don't get chilly, uh, if it's during the summertime. Um, and it's nice. Sometimes you need a day game. Sometimes, like you said, it's good for families. Um, there's a chance that if they make all the games at eight, um, you could lose some audience. You could gain. I have absolutely no clue. But um, yeah, as as for the Apple TV Plus deal on a whole, um, I think there's some good and some not as good. Um, I definitely like that all the games are going to be in one place and that there's going to be no blackouts. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm worried that having to pay for another streaming service that people that some people don't have um will turn off a lot of people and therefore we there will be less of an audience instead of which would achieve the opposite of what their intention with this deal is to grow the audience um like maybe they can be like well hey ted lasso's on here you like ted lasso you're a soccer fan but you know who knows we like ted lasso obviously but um, also severance looks awesome yes i've heard yeah. a lot of good things about severance i've not watched it yet but yeah ben stiller yeah some ways it does feel like they could um they could just fix fix the issues that exist with mos's current deal on espn plus um so then if people already pay for ESPN plus, then they are, then, you know, they don't have to like change because like, I like having ESPN plus there are like, there are, there is still a lot of soccer content that's on it. If you want to watch um, like other leagues, like Serie A or Bundesliga or, um, uh, yeah. or, or La Liga. So like, I'm still going to have that. So it like, if they could have added, the commentator, both feeds, and then also fix like uh, no blockouts. That would have been fine. But yeah, I gotta say that's my yeah, personal see how it beef. Works. Is I'm I'm we're gonna be losing uh, NYCFC's local commentators, uh, Joe Tallison and Ian Joy. Um, really? Are you sure? I don't think that's. I think they'll still have. I think they're still gonna have the. Um, I think it. it they will still put the games on local TV. I hope so. It might be different because I know use... they're both employees of Yes, the network. I think um, they're. I think they'll use the Yes feed. 
That, like that will be one of the options Look, that you can use. I would really hope so. Uh, Ian Joy made a post on Twitter and Instagram, uh, sort of like saying goodbye. So I hope that I really hope that's not the case because they're there. Those guys are the voice of this team, and and I love them. And I never, uh, I don't want to say goodbye to them. They make they make losing better, and they make winning better. Yeah, they're not. They're definitely nowhere. They're they're definitely uh, some of the 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 top tier um, MLS commentators. No nowhere close to San Jose. Um, <laughs> uh, I I would say uh, I, yeah, they're they're up there. So uh, um, hopefully they get to keep going. I hope so. Uh, one thing I'm going to I'm going to bring back a little bit. Y'all mm-hmm. say that you love the day games. And I think that that is a symptom of living north of Nashville because it's currently like 102 degrees outside. <laughs> and if I wanted to watch, if there was a game today, I would, I would have to like sell my soul to be able to watch it without frying. Like I bring more night games to Nashville, please. Cause I, I can only sit in one side of the stadium if it's a day game. Otherwise, I'm, like, reflective out there.
looking around the world, a lot of international soccer, a lot of international news has happened in the past week. Um, start, we'll start with what came out yesterday. Now we know um, which cities um, will be uh, will be hosting games in the 2026 World Cup. Um, I'm going to do this off the top of my head. If I let's see if I can name them all. Um, I believe I looked at the list. Um, so many. <laughs> I looked at the list and saw the name so many times. I think I can do it. Okay, so we got. Seattle, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Kansas City, Dallas, Houston, Miami, Atlanta, New York, Philadelphia, uh, Vancouver, uh, uh, Toronto, Guadalajara, Monterey, Mexico City, and then, um, oh, the one that I forgot is Boston. Um, well, Boston in quotes because it's not Boston. Um, but I, uh, did I, is there anyone that I missed? Is there anyone that you guys can think of that I missed there? Did you say Monterey? I did say Monterey. Okay. I definitely said Monterey. Did you say Bay Area? I said San Francisco. Okay. Dallas? Did you say Dallas? I said Dallas. I got, I, th- I think I got all of them. Um, did you say Houston? I did. I did. Clearly, I, I was did. not listening. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was not. Did you say Nashville? Uh, no, oh. because they're not a host. Yeah, the the U.S. That... didn't say Nashville either. <laughs> I feel slighted by that, but it's all right because by that point, I think I'll live in L.A. I oh. So, where do you think U.S. got? Do you think uh, FIFA got this right? Um, uh, the I do think that um. Nashville could replace, um, could have been swapped with Kansas City, because like, n- what's in Kansas City? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Nashville's a much. I've, I haven't been to either city, but like Nashville's <laughs> a much cooler city than uh, Kansas City. Yeah, uh, when we just think of like the yeah, music sure. scene, um, I do think it's interesting that. Um, I think this just shows that U.S. that um, that U.S. soccer has a problem that they did not pick a locate they did not pick um, a stadium in Ohio, um, <laughs> and I think I mean like FIFA with picking they're trying to pick the stadiums where they can where they're going to be able to sell the most tickets. Um, and obviously they they didn't uh, and obviously there are bigger cities than the ones in Ohio, um, or they decided not to have games at in the NFL stadiums in in Ohio. Um, uh, but I I absolutely love that. Like obviously the U.S. men's national hmm. team goes to Ohio um, too much. Um, are there any 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 surprises or? Um, if you got if you guys were in charge of now picking where to have the final and the first game of the World Cup um, in 2026, where would you guys pick? Um, let's hear let's hear from both of you. Where's the first game and where's the last game? I think the cities I'm interested in are L.A., New York, and the Azteca. 
which where um which one do you think will host the final or where would you want where would you place it if you were infantino uh i put i'd put the final in sofi probably uh, uh so a lot of people have been talking about since this will be 40 years since the last final in mexico and it would be the third final in mexico it would be in mexico however the U.S. also said mm. that like 60 games are going to be in the U.S. and like all the quarterfinals on. So I don't see that happening. Um, I would put I think I would put the final um, in. Uh, I think I would put the final in New York. Um, actually, my Yankee stadium. No, Yankee stadium. World no, Cup final. No, just No. <laughs> I think don't even awesome. don't even joke about that. I'm not. Um, <laughs> no. So, no, I am. That'd I, be fun, though. I mean, come on. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Something that I really hope for NYCFC's future. I hope when we build our stadium, we build it with the exact same dimensions as the Yankee Stadium field, just to piss off everybody in the league that's always crying about it. I would love that so much. Honestly, um, honestly, I think that like that, I don't think that would, I don't think that would piss everyone off. I mean, there are already, um, cause there are other small fields like in the world. That's one thing that's weird about soccer is that the fields can be different sizes, but yeah. I, yeah, that would be, that would be pretty great if they continue to do <laughs> that. I, w- I would like that too. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, but as for the World Cup, yeah. I probably would also put the final in MetLife Stadium. I just think that that would be that would be cool. Yeah. Have I you been to? Uh, how many times have you been to MetLife, or or have I've you been? Ne- I've never no. been to MetLife Stadium actually. Um, I was not raised uh, to be a fan of either the Jets or the Giants, um, so I've never probably been a good any, thing. Probably a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I also, I don't really have any interest to go to an NFL game. I did for a second, a couple years ago. Um, but I just feel like I would just be like watching nothing for so long. Cause there are so many commercials. So I would just be watching players stand around and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, but yep. if I, I mean, I'll probably go to a world cup game at my life stadium. I would be pretty stupid to like miss that opportunity um because what i'm not going to go to like portugal or anything to like go to the world cup or something like that like you're not going to go to cutter you're not going to go to cutter later later on this year <laughs> no, no no i um yeah no i won't but, yeah uh yeah. well i'm gonna well wherever the final is i will i'm gonna try and go to i will try and go to it i've been saying for a while that one of the things on my bucket list is to go to a world mm. cup final so um, wherever it is, whenever they announce it, yeah. um, whatever the ridiculous cost is, <laughs> cost is, I'll just be like, okay, I got to work enough so I can afford that ticket. <laughs> um, honestly, I, it, like I said, New York, but I still feel like, like if, if I got to pick where to be, I would have it at the Rose Bowl just cause that's where they had the last one. Um, yeah. and that's where they had the, that they, they also did the 1999 world cup. The, the women's world cup there so that's where i would put it yeah um, and cool. and like that is still just like such a historic stadium and it's it's made 
I think that stadium is more made for like just like watching a game there seems better since even though that's still made for football, I feel like that's more made for football than med med life is. Um, Something interesting that I saw um, Atlanta stadium for the world cup and for the world cup only, they're going to convert it to a grass field. And then after the world cup, they're just going to put it back to turf. What? Have they why actually... not just why not just convert it to grass and just le- have it be grass so that your players stop pulling ACLs? Have they actually announced that they are going to bring it back? Because this is something also that they have that they will be doing in Seattle is that they will also be like when they when the national team has played in Seattle for other games or they've had international games they've put in temporary grass. Um, and it hasn't been the best condition. Um, but uh, going into this World Cup, they are going to – they will put it in, like, in the off season, so it's, like, more permanent. And they've been talking about in Seattle for a while, putting in actual grass. I think it's about just talking with the Seahawks. But I think right. there's a big chance that it actually happens. Um, and there's I more – so. I, I think there's a more of a chance that it hap- that, that would happen – um, be, uh, I think one of the things that might hurt, uh, hinder Atlanta is just the fact that it is indoors. Like mo- more of Atlanta mm-hmm. is indoors. It, obviously, like the roof can open, but like right. it's not as fancy as say um, um, uh, Phoenix or um, Las Vegas, um, which have like the field that can like um, be uh, that can go outside the stadium on like a track um so the grass can can like right. grow um that being said um uh, i was surprised that las vegas um isn't won't be hosting games with the their massive stadium that they do have um but my, my just biggest the thing that i'm just really hoping for is that they just don't have the final in texas like, please do not have it at AT&T Stadium. Like, I don't want to have to go there. Um, I have really no interest in going to Texas. Um, yeah, that would kind of stink. Sorry to, if there are any Texas listeners on the show, although I highly yeah. doubt that there are. But that was... we, We've got to be pretty careful speaking that way about Texas. They're very prideful. It's true. Yeah. It's true, and I appreciate the pride. <laughs> I appreciate the pride. It's nice to have. I'm pride okay. in your hometown. I'm okay to have. Te- I'm okay to have people from Texas come at me. At 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 uh, WECB football. If you're from <laughs> Texas, if you're from Texas, uh, share your feelings about uh, about how you want the World Cup final to be at AT and T Stadium, um, a place which is entirely indoors. Um, and I, and, uh, that's another thing they'll have to put in, they'll probably have to put in grass too. Um, same thing with Houston, same thing with Houston. Houston is entirely indoors. You know what stadium already uses grass? Yankee stadium. I'm pretty sure I know where this is. Easy solution. Easy solution right there. Just have the world cup final Yankee stadium. If it had about 30,000 more seats, then maybe. (laughs) I mean, it could seat like 
forty to fifty thousand, I think. That's the reason that the games aren't. I'm pretty. That's the reason it's not at the biggest soccer-specific stadium in the whole U.S. in Nashville. Um, okay, but let's move on since we got a lot. We got a lot more um, yes. to cover. And and that's Matt. Did you want to say something about about Nashville Stadium? Uh, Geodis is great, but it is not <laughs> built for a World Cup game. Thirty thousand people yeah. is not even close mm. to enough. Yeah. Nissan would be where it'd be held. Uh, yep, yep, definitely. And again, still better than Kansas City. Um, <laughs> uh, so the, uh, since, uh, and then also, so also in the week, we saw um, the U.S. played two games. So now they have two games left before the World Cup. Um uh, and those games haven't been announced yet, but it's most likely going to be, they're most likely going to be in Spain against Saudi Arabia um, and uh, Japan's, so two World Cup opponents, um, most likely. Um, but the U.S. played um, Grenada and, uh, or Grenada, I don't know how you pronounce that, or which one it is. And they also played El Salvador. Um, uh US beating um Grenada five to zero on Friday and then tying El Salvador. Um we're gonna uh uh did anyone uh did anyone lock down a position? Is anything like been uh what what did you guys learn from these games? Um Um, one player that I don't think I learned anything about is Ferreira. Like I have no yeah. idea how to read his performance over the past couple of games. Four goals against yeah. any team is incredible. It doesn't matter if it's Granada. Um, it'd be more impressive against a, qual- a more quality opponent, but it's 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 tough to score that many, no matter who you're playing. Um, so that's an impressive performance, regardless of what some people will say about the ease in which the goals came. Um, but then the other performances were so lackluster and he couldn't score when it mattered most. So I don't, I have no idea. He had, Man. he also had chances before he scored. Um, I thought the U S looked really bad in the Grenada game. Uh, we didn't score till like the 43rd minute and we had many chances before them, including Ferreira. I don't think Ferreira did any. And so um, it, it annoys me that Burhalter is like uh, was like was talking him up a little bit. I do think Ferreira with this performance has solidified him his self in going to the World Cup. Um, I think he'll whether he's a starter, I'm not sure yet. Um, but I do think that he will be on the plane. Um, and I also think that like pretty much any, any, if they had started Haji right, I think there's a good chance he could have scored four goals. Um, um, or, or another player could have scored four goals because, yeah, he didn't play um, uh, that well. Um, and he, he didn't take all his chances. Um, but again, that being said, Clint Dempsey never scored four goals in the game. Um, the only other player who scored four goals in the game ever on the U.S., I believe, is Landon Donovan. So, uh, still, uh, it is impressive. Yeah, Ethan, do you have any thoughts on Ferreira? 
Yeah, I think he's most likely solidified his spot um, in the World Cup, probably even as a starter, um, seeing as Burhalter doesn't seem to want to give any other striker a chance at starting. He did start Haji Wright against El Salvador, but took him off at halftime, um, which is kind of unfair considering Ferreira got to start like, you know, every other game. And then he was taken off for Herrera. So Ferreira got to f- play the rest of that El Salvador game. Um, but yeah, Burhalter seems to really, really like Ferreira. And I think he has a really high chance of starting at the World Cup unless something happens, you know, in between now and November. Uh, the other two big storylines, um, uh, I would say from this breaks, um, uh, came from the El Salvador game. Um, we had Ethan Horvath, um, getting the start. Um, and honestly, I think he has completely killed his, he has completely com- killed any chance of starting a world cup game, or he might even have shut down his chance of going to the world cup. Um, because, uh, I think, I would be shocked if he starts either of these next two games because these next two games, I want the U.S. playing the lineup that they're going to play at the World Cup. And the thing that's going to be in everyone's mind is he got his shot and he blew it. The goal that he let in was bad. You might say he was anticipating a cross or he was anticipating a deflection, but... um, Huge, huge mistake. Sean Johnson got his start against Uruguay. He delivered. He made the saves. And then, um, and like, while if, while, um, if Sean Johnson had scored against, people would have talked about the, the opponent. But this was such an easy, um, uh, an easy save for Ethan Horvath. Um, there's a reason that Ethan Horvath um, is not a starter for, I think this, uh, I mean, like, uh, it's not surprising that he's not starting for a team in the, that was in the championship. Um, so I, I think he's, I think he is either now solidified his position of number three or, um, and, and if he hasn't solidified his position of number three, then he's not going to the World Cup, um, which sucks because I like him. He seems like a nice guy. Uh, yeah, what, what are your guys' thoughts? I don't have much to say. I'm not a keeper. I I did play keeper a couple times. Did not always go well. Um, and I know that there's a lot that goes into being a keeper. All I'm saying is that goal is not happening on Sean Johnson's goal, and I'm going to leave it at that. What do you think, Matt? Um, let's keep Horvath, let's keep Turner, and let's keep Johnson. Ooh. <laughs> no, that's, that's too controversial. That's too controversial. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's between Horvath and Johnson for that third spot and the – the, the plane ticket to Cutter. Um, and I hope to see more of the two before the decision day comes, but I'm leaning towards Johnson. 
It looks yeah. shaky, but made a very impressive save. Yeah, like in general, like I like Horvath, but um, yeah, like I've all, I mean, I'm a, I always have liked Sean Johnson more than I've liked Horvath. And like Horvath is just like, he's like, while he's been called into the national team so many times, like really only recently have people ever talked about him starting a game. And it's because he played, he, he got called upon in the Nations League game. Uh, that's like the only time it started. Like he had been getting called into the national team as the third goalkeeper, like a long time before then. Um, but he was never thought to be a starter. So I don't think so. And I think he, he basically has shown, he has just shown um, uh, why that's true. Um, so while his, his stock has gone down, um, another player who I think has solidified his spot on the uh, World Cup um, Ross, uh, World Cup roster for the U.S. is Jordan Morris. Um, Jordan Morris scores a huge equalizing goal. Um, and I don't expect Jordan Morris uh, I, at this point. I've given up on the hope that Jordan Morris will start um, uh, uh, will start a World Cup game. Um, but he is a, a player who is will be electric off the bench, um, especially um, I think right now as he's still right now he's still not at a hundred percent because he's coming back from injury. Um, but when we but um, as he has been producing for the Sounders, and um, uh, this goal I think was massive for him. Um, I think he's going to be in even better form come the World Cup. Um, so I think he's definitely going to the World Cup now. What What do you guys think? I don't know if he has solidified his spot. Um, he could have, um, but I don't know. This was one moment. And I think Horvath also had one moment. I know Morris has had a much more significant USMNT career than Horvath has had. Um, but I feel like this is just one moment in a game against El Salvador when we probably should have been doing much better. I don't know if this moment solidifies his spot at the World Cup. Um, but I don't, it wouldn't be blasphemous if, if he went to the world cup, like uh, it would be like, yeah, okay. He's, he's all right. He's more. Some of the players that, that he's competing with, um, have not had a moment have like this. Um, and not, not only, not only did he score this goal, he, um, he could have, he should have won the team of penalty. Um, like, uh, in this game, he headed the ball. Um, and then it clearly hits uh, an El Salvador defender's arm. Um, so he could have, so the U.S. also could have gone ahead uh, or could have equalized sooner um, than they did. Uh, what do you think, Matt? Uh, I think solidify is a very strong word for one goal against a less than amazing opponent. Um, I don't want to undersell uh, what the goal meant for the team on that night. But I also don't want to, like, I'm not going to compare this goal to Ferreira's four, where Ferreira might have earned a starting spot and most definitely earned 
earned himself a spot on the team. Morris didn't do either of those things with this goal. He might have earned himself a spot on the team, but that will also depend on his competitions, performance, and forms uh, going into the World Cup I in think, a way that Ferreira's spot does not. I think this goal did so much more than Ferreira's goal, and it's not even close. And um, and I don't think that's just because it's it's a Sounders player. And I think that is – and Greg Berhalter was saying after the match – that um, this is that this game like is something that stays with the team um, and it's part because it was like a tough game. Everyone's dirty, everyone's super muddy um, and everyone's bonding because like they got over the line. I was thinking about this game um, since uh, this was happening. Uh, this game happened while I, while I was at the Sounders game versus Vancouver. Um, and I, I do remember at the end of the game, looking down at my phone, being like, oh, yeah, Jordan Morris scored. Um, um, but uh, watching the game back, it felt similar to the game in Trinidad in 2017, because like um, it was another game where we were we let in um, a goal from distance in the first half and then um but unlike the Trinidad game, we were managed to fight back on a terrible field um, to get a result, um, which they couldn't do against Trinidad. So um, I think um, in, I would think for some players, because uh, Berhalter also decided to play a pretty strong team. Like he played Berhalter and uh, he played Pulisic and he played Musa um, um, and he came, and he played McKinney. Um, I would think that this is sort of um, a, um, uh, it, it, this makes up a little bit for the game against Trinidad. And then also this is a stronger opponent um, than, than Grenada, like Grenada. 170th ranked in the world like we should be beating them by more than five goals so uh, that's why i think that uh that goal uh, was more was more important than the the grenada game i will um, say if if this game is gonna stick with the usmnt players and coaches I hope what they remember is Paul Ariola getting a straight red card so that he can stop being selected into this team. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, if uh, if Morris doesn't make the World Cup, then um, if if Ariola steals Morris's spot on the World Cup plane, then I will be pissed. I would take Morris um, over Ariola. 100%. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so I just want to make sure I understand your position. You think Jordan Morris's goal this game means more in terms of World Cup selection than Ferreira's four? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. I, well, well, I think no, I think that it was bigger for Morris. I think Morris scoring has more of an impact on Morris going to the World Cup than Ferreira going to the World Cup. 
Because okay, I already, I, I, agree I, with that. I already thought that Ferreira was going to the World Cup. And okay, I, I agree with that second thing yeah, you said. If, yeah. it, if it was the first, then I yeah. vehemently disagree. I think, I think, <laughs> I still like what you were saying about Ferreira. Like, I still don't really know what I'm gonna get from him every week because he hasn't shown that he can score against top tier opponents. He has not shown that. So that so. Um, going into the World Cup with him leading the line does scare me. Um, uh, I think any of our nines at the moment scare me. Um, truthfully, yeah. I, I wish don't we have still had in that position. I wish we still had Dempsey. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. uh, I wish that we, I we, or that Gio Rain and that Gino Rain was was healthy, um, and that. Um, Josh Sargent, who was playing in the Premier League, could actually score or score consistently with the national team. Um, honestly, I wish that Jurgen Klinsmann was still the coach. It's the main thing. He was going places. Um, yeah, I thought they fired him sort of unceremoniously and a little early, in my opinion, especially. Two games into two games into World Cup qualifying, we got after is is uh, is the worst. But we don't need to slander Buzarina. I think we've made it clear that he's uh, he's the worst coach ever um, <laughs> um, already. Um, uh, I, I um, any other thoughts about the field um, in general? Um, uh, uh, you brought up the red card for for Power Power Riola. Um, did you? Um, um, some people were saying that it didn't feel like a red card. Um, I totally disagree. If you go in with two, the studs weren't showing, but if you go in with two feet, um, especially when there's no VAR, like you're asking for trouble. Yeah. Like his his foot was like knee high. Yeah, your foot should never be that high ever when you're making a challenge, and it's almost like you said, it's asking for a red card. Yeah. So, um, and the other red card, like, still just as obvious. Um, I felt bad for Musa because, like, obviously the second one was was dog. So, and then like when Musa gets taken down, he then slides a good like five yards on the mud, and then at the end he's like. He's like coughing up mud. Yeah. Because of hitting the ground. Sitting there like in disbelief. Just like like... there's so much stuff (laughs) on me right now. Yeah. Um yeah, that was uh disgusting. Um (laughs) yeah, obviously like it's not El Salvador like El Salvador does not cannot determine the weather. Um but that field was um was so so bad have any have you yeah definitely it it, it was fun to see it definitely felt um childish have either of you guys ever played on a field like that or a field worse than that i've played on some similar conditions um but it was it was rare that it was usually muddy like that I've played on probably worse fields, but when it was dry, so it was just a bunch of dirt patches. But um, yeah, no, I don't know if I've done anything that muddy. Well, what about you, Matt? 
I have definitely played on fields of that quality and even lower. I've played on fields where you square a ball um, because, you know, you've beaten everyone but the keeper and all you got to do is put it across the face of goal. And then the ball. The the water catches it. It just dies. (laughs) The keeper just picks it up. Um, I've played the worst, though, is the snow. Um, Because then the ball doesn't roll well. And then on top of it. I've never done that. You just want to get out of there. You just want to leave. You don't want to play in that game. (laughs) I have – there used to be a lot of uh, – in Seattle, before they converted a lot of um, the fields to turf, um, a lot of fields around me were dirt fields. So if it was mm-hmm. muddy, then, like, if it was raining, which yeah. it does tend to do in Seattle, it was very rough. <laughs> um, like mud. Yeah. Um, that was not fun. And um, thankfully, there's a lot – the, uh, pretty much all of those fields are turf now. Um, I've also played. Um, I've never played a game in the snow, um, but I have. Yeah, ref- neither have I. Always looks um, fun though. I yeah. Want to try it. Yeah, uh, I it's have. <laughs> the rain um, can be fun. The snow is mm-hmm. not. Rain is fun. I have played many games where it's been raining very hard. Uh, I have refereed in the snow. Um, mm. I once refed a game. I once uh, was refing a tournament final. Um, I was in AR standing at midfield for a penalty kick shootout that went to the eighth round while it was snowing. Um, <laughs> and that I was absolutely freezing, just writing down like who hadn't shot yet. Um, and, uh, and, um, at the end of that shootout, both teams cheered because everyone <laughs> just wanted to go home. Uh, definitely a crazy experience that I won't forget. Um, speaking of uh, shootouts, um, we saw uh, shootout drama in uh, the race for um, the final World Cup spot as Australia defeated uh, Peru. Uh, Australia will join France, Tunisia, Tunisia, and Denmark in Group D. Um, A lot of people have been commenting on uh, the Australian keeper's antics uh, during this game, dancing around the line. Um, They also, uh, and Australia put him in um, right before the shootout. So, like, obviously, mm. it seems like the Australian coaches knew this is what their keeper does. Um, uh, what, what do you guys think of the antics? Um, uh, I know some people um, aren't a fan of them, um, but uh, what do you guys think? Um, I'm a fan of all pettiness in mm-hmm. sports. I think pettiness makes it better. I will say, though, that in a game of this magnitude, in a game that means as much as this one did, to be on the losing end of this kind of, like, what you could definitely perceive as disrespect would be be pretty tough. Um, As somebody who just watched the NBA Finals as a Celtics fan, Draymond Green has hurt my feelings. Um, And I'll say that this, this would be annoying to watch if I was on the losing end of it. But as a third-party fan, pettiness is is the best part of sports. Yeah, 
Um, I, I also, yeah, I really enjoyed all the moving around. Um, I thought the only problem I had was that the referee does not, shouldn't, shouldn't have kept going over to the, the keeper to be like, remember, you got to have a foot behind the line or on the line. Because like the keeper, like he should only have to tell him once. And then the keeper is just expected to know that. Um, so that that was slowing it down some. Um, uh, um, because like the keeper knows what he's doing. Um, yeah, I, I, I think um, with how much pressure there is on the penalty kick takers, like um, anything that can make them feel uneasy, um, and, and seeing something like this, which is not common, um, I think definitely does mess with a player's head. Um, so uh, I think the move is very smart um, and, uh, and so fun for the fans um, also. Um, the other thing that the keeper did, one thing that the Australian keeper did is he noticed that uh, Pedro um, uh, Gaese um, had uh, on his water bottle written where the Australian penalty kick takers um, like to have shot in the past. Um, so then when he was in goal at one point, um, the Australian keeper then uh, threw the, his water bottle over the advertising um, boards so uh, Pedro Gaese couldn't get to it, um, which also is just like, peak um entertainment um uh and i also love this because it's also like like also like how much does that really help like how much does that really help i have no problems with this um what do you think ethan about the shenanigans yeah, I mean, uh, the stuff on the line is fun. I don't necessarily love throwing his water bottle. <laughs> he had another water bottle after that. He still had another water bottle. Okay, okay. Um, but yeah, that that I don't necessarily think that's like the coolest thing, um, especially because I know that there's sort of like a solidarity amongst keepers and stuff like that. And so that's kind of not cool, but otherwise it's fun, you know, something fun for the fans. Um, I'm just happy. I'm yeah. upset. I wanted Prue to go through, but I'm happy that Colin scored his penalty. Yeah, unfortunate for uh, and also um, KSA is the Orlando keeper, so unfortunate for him right. and MOS that way. Yeah. Um, I think this does show it could have been different if they had called in Roy Diaz um, to take a penalty because he's good at penalties. I think. Uh, uh, and and definitely wasn't proved proved not good with penalties um, on the day, um, uh, but I do feel like Australia needs to be at the World Cup. Like I mean, it's it's a continent; they should be at the World Cup. <laughs> um, uh, I was seeing I've seen some memes that uh, that were were saying that. Tim Cahill is getting ready to come out of retirement um, to play in this. Um, uh, we could only hope that something like that happened uh, happens. But the the Socceroos are back in the back in the World Cup. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts about these games being played um, in Qatar? 
um, uh, uh, in the heat. Um, I believe there are, there are, so there are some stadiums in the, in, in Qatar that do have roofs. So they do have air conditioning. Um, but I believe, but at the stadium, this one is one that I believe wasn't, uh, indoors or did not have AC. Uh, as I understand it, I think all of the Cutter stadiums have AC, even the outdoor ones. I think they've got like state-of-the-art um, air conditioning going on in there, which is pretty cool. But I don't um, think all of them do have, but not all of them have roofs. No, no, no. Yeah. No. So it's like some yeah. crazy technology to allow for some level of cooling uh, in the stadiums. But I, I don't have any particular thoughts on the location. Of the games um it's it's um uh yeah it's interesting um uh from watching these games like uh it wasn't i i would say um didn't seem that that noticeable it didn't feel like the players were struggling with the heat even with that with the australian game uh going um to all the way to penalties um didn't seem like there were so many players cramping up that um that was um more than normal um it'll be interesting still at the next world cup if every uh we should see if every game will have um a uh, a hydration break um in them um still because it's still going to be hot um even in november and december there um it's also interesting, like there's still there's still so much construction that has to be done for this World Cup, uh, since it is still uh it's still like a construction site in some ways, since they're building a whole new city for the for um for the tournament. Um and then the other game uh on uh that uh the, the final team to qualify for the FIFA World Cup was Costa Rica beating New Zealand, um, Kaylor Navas, really uh, definitely the man of the match. Um, and uh, uh, I, uh, and obviously anytime you have Kaylor Navas, it's, it's huge um, for, uh, for Costa Rica, but New Zealand was the better team in this game, like hands down. Um, um, any thoughts on uh, Costa Rica making the World Cup, guys? Uh, I'm always happy to see Navas um, move forward. <clears throat> I think he's the best. Um, I think he's the best North American, uh, Central American player. I agree with that. Um, ever. I think the only – I don't even think of any players that are in the same – here as him unless anybody disagrees um but i think uh, that one made that might be tough there's been a lot of good mexican players um over the year but definitely in the last in the last 20 years he's the best yeah um so i'm happy for him i think he does a lot for his team i think he does a lot for you know his country and uh, it, it's exciting to see to see him move forward. So now uh, 
they're in Group E with Spain, Germany, and Japan. Um, so, again, they've basically been placed into the group of death. Um, but uh, I don't think people are really counting them out. Um, obviously, in 2014, they're in a group with Uruguay, England, and Italy, and they ended up finishing first in that group. Yeah. So this is going to be one of the most interesting groups at the World Cup. I can see any of these teams finishing in any position um because like while people again might give it to spain and germany like japan is a good team japan has made it out of the group the last two years in the world cup um they should have beat belgium yeah that was a heartbreaking Um, game definitely a heartbreaking game it's gonna be really interesting and um just because costa rica knows what they how they play um, and they know what they're good at, um, and they have Kenner Navas. Um, I think the best thing that Costa Rica's best um, attribute is um, their defense. Um, they let's not remember they played the best soccer um, um, in the end of World Cup qualifying um, in Concacaf. Um, like they were in fifth place. Or no, not not fifth place. They were they were I think in like seventh place um, after like the first half, and they turned it around just to get to this playoff. Um, right. Because and that was pretty much all their defense. Um, so they um, I I I expect them to put up a real fight. Um, fight and like, and it's pretty much still the same team. That, that did well in the 2014 World Cup. Their team is just that old. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Um, uh, any other thoughts on, on, on their group? I am all but counting them out. So yeah. sorry to be a hater, but I, I give them very little odds to get out of that group. Because like you said, <laughs> Japan is very good and everybody knows who Germany is and everybody knows who Spain is. We're going to look mm-hmm. forward to the drama. I'll be rooting for them, but not expecting them to Right win. now they have a nine the the odd makers gave them a nine percent chance to go to get out of the group. Um, do you think mm-hmm. that's accurate or do you think that it should be higher? I think it should be lower. <laughs> I think like five, like one in twenty, probably. I think I think that's actually pretty accurate. I I might say higher, um, because I could see it happening. Um again, yeah. Anyone could finish in any position yeah. um, in that group. Um, for, for Australia, uh, by the way, do we think um, – what's the chance that we think Australia gets out of the group with, with France, um, Denmark, and Tunisia as their opponents? I think they could finish third or last. I don't, I don't, I don't think there's much leg room there, to be honest. Really, um, you don't think they could take anything from Denmark or France? I don't know. I think Denmark's pretty solid. And as much as I would like for France to keep the streak of winners um, going out in the knockout stage, as much as I would love that, um, I just I don't think it'll happen in this group. France has been playing, has not been playing well um, recently. Um, and obviously they haven't yeah. played their strongest team 
Um, but uh, uh, the the World Cup uh, the the World Cup champion curse is definitely uh, is is definitely exists. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see if they go out in the first round. I would love to see that. Um, my dream scenario is that Denmark that it would be Denmark Australia. Tunisia and then France, but I I don't see <laughs> I don't see that happening. Um, I mainly I just want to see um, the Australian keepers uh, uh, face um, be being happy again because um, um, the face he made when they qualified for the World Cup um, was uh, was an emotion was an emotion that everyone needs right now.
Moving on to week 17 of the MOS season. We are back to our teams all playing this week. Uh, Let's start by previewing NYCFC versus Colorado. Um, All of our teams are at home this week. Um, Ethan, how are you feeling going into this game? Feeling pretty good. Um, I think we have a little something to prove playing without Ronnie Dilo this week. Um, I think the fans, I'm so glad we're at home. I'm, I'm like, I'm so glad that we're at home. I think the fans are really going to want to get behind Nick Cushing. Um, this think- is at Yankee stadium, not city yes. field. Yeah, it's at Yankee Stadium, which I'm glad about. I because I like yep. going to Yankee Stadium. Um, yeah, it's gonna be a, a good five o'clock game, which is nice, sort of in between a day game and a night game. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Colorado sit at tenth in the West right now, negative one goal difference, like we mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, I think they're they're like they're okay. They're an okay opponent. They're they don't worry me too much. Um, I think hopefully we're gonna be home. We haven't played in a while. The fans are gonna be excited, gonna be loud. Um, and I think we're gonna play well and hopefully we're gonna score some goals. And I think hopefully we'll start off Nick Cushing's uh, tenure with a win. Um, I I think this goal. I could see this game going. Um, either way but i don't think it's going to be close i think if i i can see um nycfc starting off um with their uh after dyla leaves by scoring a lot of goals but i could also see colorado coming in because colorado is a good team um they're they they are um yeah very I don't good to downplay colorado so much they definitely um, have talent um, Colorado is two, is two, three, no. Uh, oh, actually, no. Uh, so that was Minnesota. Colorado is 0 5 and 1 on the road. So, um, definitely not good on the road. I wonder, I'm not um, sure if, um, are the USMNT players going back to their clubs? They'll be back. They, they okay. should be back for this game. Because I, I wonder if Sean Johnson will start this game or if our second string, Luis Barraza, will start. I would um, be I'd be very surprised if if he wasn't back for this game. Yeah. Hopefully Callens too will be fit yeah. to start. Um but, but Callens also did play two did play um he did. 120 minutes. Yeah, if he doesn't start, totally understandable. Um but it's obviously it's it's always better when he starts. But I mean Chanot now, I guess is technically, you know, our backup center back. Um, and and he he's still great. I have I have complete faith in Chanel, and I I, I would be, I'd like to see him play. Um, but obviously, it's always amazing when Colin starts. So we'll see what happens. That game yeah. is on Saturday, uh, and it's then on Sunday, uh, actually. Oh, that is on Saturday. That is just, oh yeah, actually that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Sounders are the only team playing on Saturday this week. Um, oh. Since both of you guys are playing on Sunday, yeah. um, the, the 
uh, which sure we'll talk about the uh, other Sunday game. The last game um, of the week is Nashville versus SKC. It's on FS1, so we got mm. a a prime time game. Um, yeah. Matt, uh, how are you feeling with Kansas City coming to town? Uh, this is a must win. Um, SKC is 0-6-2 on the road. Um, they are last in the table. They have a negative 14 goal differential. Um, and I think their, their XG stats, like their expected goals allowed versus expected goals scored, um, actually sees them as worse than they are right now. Like they're actually overperforming their expected um, goals. Um, and that still leaves them where they are. So at home at Geotis, um, this is a must win. This is, this is, this is the easiest, this is the easiest game of the entire year to get points in. So it's gotta be three. Um, yeah, they, they gotta finish their chances. Um, they didn't yeah. do it against San Jose. So hopefully they can bounce back from that game and get the win against Kansas city. I think it would be hilarious if this was our first ever loss at Geotis. <laughs> I think that would be just the funniest thing. In the it world. really would. Is Kansas City would is Kansas City the closest geog, um, geographically to Nashville um, besides Atlanta? Atlanta? Yeah, besides uh, yeah. Atlanta. Okay, a- SKC would be. I'm it, but it's the closest for uh, it's your closest um, in conference game. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we we beat them earlier this season in Kansas City. So this is a must win. Um, and if we lose this game or tie this game, that is when I'll start to be nervous about our playoff spot. Um, but right now we're pretty secure. Um, the teams behind us aren't even within a win of us. Um, and the season's still wrong. Yeah, exactly. So uh, this is a must win. Yeah. Uh, I hope to see a resounding win. And then uh, the Sounders play tomorrow on ABC. It is a noon. It is a twelve thirty kickoff. Um, so uh, an early game um, for the Sounders. We have uh, at and and next week we we also have a game at at twelve thirty. We're getting a lot of lunchtime games. Um, Against um, and on, against a, a huge rival of ours in LAFC, um, uh, I don't I, honestly. Um, recently, in some ways, they felt of like more of a rival than um, in Port- than Portland in some ways. Um, uh, even though. Um, our games against the, even though we we were destroying them um, in 2020 in the COVID years, um, and they haven't done much when they've came um, to uh, Century Lane, when they've came, not Century Link, Lumen Field, um, they have not done much. Um, they have never beaten us at Lumen Field. Um, they have tied once. Um, so hopefully they don't get their first win. I think this is going to be a really fun game. Um, I don't think it's, it's not a must win or anything, um, because of where 
because uh, and I think if we do fall, um, not many will, not many will 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 be like, oh, it's the end of the world because LFC are in first place in the Western Conference. They have the most points in the entire league. Um, but I think it's going to be a really fun game. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a red card in this game. Um, but hopefully, uh, we can take care of business, um, and continue our momentum during this, uh, home stand where we're coming off two home wins. Um, I'm expecting that, um, we that Reagan will start in place of Yamar, and then Morrison Rodon will be back, and so will Rusnak. So in front of them, um, Rusnak will play next to Vargas, and then Morris, um, Ladero, and uh, Rodon um, uh, above uh, Vargas and Rusnak. And then up top, I think it's going to be a Montero starting. Um, instead of Bruin, but honestly, I'd be okay if Bruin starts too. Uh, but it does feel like Smetzer has been relying on Montero recently. Um, so I expect him to get the start. Um, and hopefully, um, we can shut down LAFC, um, on, uh, on network. Um, should be a really fun game. Um, I don't want to protect uh, feeling feeling a little superstitious like like Ethan. I don't want to predict the score for this game because I do think it's going to be a really really close one. Um, any any thoughts about about this game? Um, first time any of our teams have have faced LAFC this season. Um, and uh, any thoughts? Um, I see that the betting odds favor Seattle, and that surprises me a little bit. Um, just based off of form, not based off of quality. Um, but I guess that's probably to do with Seattle being at home. Um, but the LAFC is a really quality side, so this is one I'll be watching for sure. This is an exciting game. LAFC just announced that they were that they have signed um, uh, Cialini. He won't be available for this game. Um, because of the he, the transfer window doesn't open till July, um, uh, so he can't play. Um, do you guys have any thoughts about about that signing? Flop incoming. Well, I can't. Okay, I can't be sure for sure, but um, I don't know. He's old, and I yes. think yes, he is. We've seen this with Higuain. I think older players are not aware of how physical the MLS is. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if it'll work out for him here. Um, yeah, but we'll see. I've, it, I don't think he, he is not the type of player that MLS should be. Um, I, I don't like how much they're promoting him coming to the league because um, he is definitely a player who fits like the retirement league. Um, argument. Um, so it's not a player who MOS would should want in the league because the dude is injury prone. He's not going to play that much. 
because he's old. Um, so he's definitely won't play more than one game a week. I don't think he's going to start. Um, I don't think I'm guessing he won't, he won't play on turf. Um, uh, he, um, in the same way that Zlatan and, um, Terry Henry refused to play on turf. Um, I don't think this is a good, um, I mean, he's not a DP for LAFC, so they, they're, it's a TAM signing, but I think there are much better players that they could sign because he's probably only going to be here for this year. Um, so uh, long-term, like, this doesn't fix um, LAFC's uh, defensive problems, which still really, really exist. And then just just in general, like, like I mean, like, I don't like him. He's a whiner. Um, whenever his team loses or when it uh, uh, loses, I feel like he always says something really annoying. And I, I mean, Matt, you talk about loving uh, like the pay, uh, loving the pettiness, and like it's it's in some ways it's entertaining, um, but. Um, for me, this just makes LAFC um, so much easier to hate. Uh, final, anyone? Do you, Matt, you got any final thoughts? I actually don't think he'll be a flop. Um, he's one of the better players to play that position in recent history. Um, the the Italian center backs are are always good. And I think defenders age better than um, attackers. I think he'll just be a solid player that won't play in every game because of his age. Um, but I, I do think it's weird to see them promote him in pretty much the same way that they promoted Hector Herrera, who I think is an extremely talented player who will mean a lot for the Dynamo um, compared to where uh, um, this signing is just going to be a role a, a solid role player um i think both players are going to be a flop i don't think hector herrera will do much for the dynamo uh, but we'll have to see um when the transfer window opens yeah only um, time will tell yeah uh i think that uh, that does it for this episode of football is life we want to remind you that uh you should check out our website footballislife.net you can tweet at us at WECB football. You can email the show at footballislife.wecb at gmail.com. You should follow us on Instagram at footballislife.wecb. New episodes every Friday. We hope you enjoyed listening today. Uh, that's going to do it. Once again, football is life.